0: I want to go ahead and just roll through a few announcements before our teaching. You can see in the bulletin, those announcements, some of them, one I didn't put in there. So let me get my notes opened up for you. I've taught without them before, but I like having them. Uh, you'll see coming up for the ladies, the women's retreat. And uh, we got this notice, we didn't have bulletins last week, but got an email from uh, cover chapel up grove saying the retreat was coming up in october you can see that in your bulletin for the ladies the women's retreat up at williams bay they've reopened the facility and uh, it's beautiful now they've been working on this facility quite a bit since they reopened a few years ago and a brand new hotel where the retreat is held for us for the men and the women now we're in the newest section and you know, the hotel room lodging and able to do the retreat, I believe, right there, unless the ladies have a lot more ladies than the guys. It's all contained there, except for the meals over at the cafeteria. But beautiful grounds, and uh, that is coming up. So we got the email, and it said, registration due on August 8th. It's like, well, we just got the email. What do you mean it's due now? And so I emailed uh, Phil and Cindy, and Cindy's response was, The retreat would not be the same without the gals from CCLV, so please um, come. So they extended it. I think they had to because they just sent it out last week, but uh, we had no knowledge of it, of course, and uh, that information is there. You can go to the link in the bulletin, uh, or you can go to just... Uh, Calvary Chapel, Elk Grove, Illinois. There is Elk Grove in California. You want to make sure you're looking at the right one. Elk Grove, Illinois, and you can find their women's ministry is called Refresh, and you can find the information there for for registration, and you can do that online. So, ladies, I would encourage you. The guys, we had a wonderful time, and uh, we were early on, and they were still, the camp was trying to figure out COVID and all that, how to have camp and COVID, and they got it worked out probably so much better now since we were there. They were kind of experimenting uh, when the guys showed up in May, but uh, it was a good time. I would encourage the ladies. It's a beautiful setting up there. I was looking at the map recently. Oh, We were up there for my birthday at Popeye's, not the fast food chain, but the restaurant in Lake Geneva, and uh, Lily and I drove up for my birthday, and they had a map of Lake Geneva, and the deepest section of the lake is right there off of William Bay. It's all connected um, right by the conference center, so a very beautiful location. Not that I plan any of the ladies going deep-sea uh, diving or anything like that. So William F- Federer, I think I've always said Federer, but he has two R's at the end of his, or E-R-E-R. So William Federer was at Calvary Chapel Chino Hills Jack Hibbs Church Wednesday, Thursday and Friday and William is a historian and so he's looking at the history of the world and the United States and comparing it to events that are going on in our nation and in the world right now and so very interesting teaching William uh, speaks very fast And I think Jack Hibbs mentioned that. He's like the fastest speaker I've ever heard. And he didn't slow down at all. Uh, So it's pretty good. He has PowerPoint presentation going along with it. But I've watched the first night of it. I haven't gotten around to the Thursday and Friday uh, teachings yet. But I think they'll be worthwhile, so they're worth watching. And I'm always on the outlook of something that's just you know, tweaking my interest with all the events going on in the world. It's hard to keep up on everything. And so I think this is a, a worth watching. And also, um, just historically, uh, our history here in the United States and in the world is being so distorted right now. So it's good to have a counter argument to the non-truths that's going out. So i like to hear from William. He actually was a speaker at one of the men's retreat many years ago. And so he's been around quite a while doing this work. And so I think that's worth watching. It's there in your bulletins. I'm not looking at a bulletin, so I'm just kind of doing some recall here. Wednesday we'll be continuing our study in the book of Genesis. And so I would encourage you, if you're able, to come out or to watch or listen, to come out and join us for our Wednesday study in the book of Genesis. And also keep our radio ministry in your prayers. Um, The ministry here, we uh, had some issues. Uh, Steve, I wanted to talk to you about this, but our automation computer just, I think it was some update it was wanting to do just turned us off. And that's never happened. But this week we were off for a couple of hours. I didn't know it until I realized that we were dead air. And that just doesn't happen. But. I'm sure something was trying to update it, did want to update and it wants to update again. It's like, give me a break. How many updates do you want to do? I already did that when you were off. I updated you and now you want another one. But uh, keep that in prayer. We are streaming and we're reaching. I think I counted at the beginning of this week, 11 different nations have logged onto our radio station now and we can see how many minutes. And so it's not just a, a click and they're off, Uh, One of the nations, for example, was there for 191 minutes, so it's got some time connected to it, mostly in the United States, but 11 different nations around the world, so that's exciting, but also keep it in prayer as um, we're stepping into new territory, I can guarantee you Satan does not like that, and keep our fellowship in your prayers as well. Um, I had Bob ordered video cameras this week, so a new territory for us. We're going to get away from this, my iPhone, as the camera, and we're going to get a different look. And so this is the first step of the process, but it's begun. So keep praying for us in this process that we would just glorify God in this small church that the Lord has given us to be able to reach beyond our walls in the way that we have for so many years. And now to extend that reach through video and other methods through the radio, it's pretty amazing. And the last thing not in the bulletin, I just want to mention to you that we are planning on doing a baptism, and I'm targeting the very last Sunday of the end of the month and/or the first Sunday of September. I uh I'm trying to get a portable baptistry that we can do it right here in the grounds. And I know a church that has one, and so I'm going to contact them this week. If not, I'll try to get us over at Cedar Lake. I kind of like the lake, but I know that not everybody shows up. You know, we do church, we go over to the lake, and we have a pretty good turnout, but I think it would be um, all in if we're here on the grounds, and I think it's important that we be all in the importance of baptism. So I'm working on it. We'll have a a final plan for it next week. But again, if you'd like to be baptized, please contact myself or Pastor Kevin, and we'll see that it's done. And so keep that in your prayers that God would use us in that way. And finally, um, provision for our fellowship. And we are just so grateful for the provision that the Lord has given us over the last year and a half. One of the... Things when you talk to other pastors it's like well how's it going you know the whole covid thing how's church how's the thing going and i i've often said you know what covid has saved us it's like what do you mean it's like well, i don't know people got more serious we had an online audience a video audience we didn't have before but financially um, we were struggling but we're not right now we're able to make a camera purchase that just even Um, acknowledges that that we've done much so it's it's helped our fellowship and I'm so grateful for that Um, because pre-covid we were struggling we hadn't church body didn't know we hadn't um, announced that to anyone but we were preparing to uh, make some changes we were going to have to and the Lord has just been providing so um, it's been so helpful for us, and part of that has been the online donations coming in, the donations within our church, but coming outside of the church from them, those from radio listeners to those who are watching through Facebook, and uh, we've been blessed in that way. So I would encourage you, if you're listening on the radio through social media today, that you can go to cclv.org, and you find out information for uh, supporting our ministry it is greatly appreciated, and also here at the church, of course, we have the agape box in the back of the sanctuary, and we're just grateful for the support to be able to do ministry. We know that some churches have closed, and they've not reopened, and so we're thankful that the Lord has allowed us to not only maintain, but to do a little better than that in the sense of we've been able to accomplish other things than just kind of maintaining our presence but to actually get a larger footprint and so that's just you know praise to god and to the body of christ and we are thankful and we want to give thanks right now and then go into our teaching so father we thank you that uh the technology. I was thinking this week of my dad pastoring a church where there was no internet. There was no such technology that we're dealing with today. And Lord, even the technology, it's, it's hard commitments for a small church when everything has a price tag connected to it. So in a small church, Lord, one of the brothers looking into how we can stream and do media, and he was talking to one of the companies and they're saying yeah we offer a a low price of 200 a month but for a small church a commitment of 200 a month is a big commitment and so lord we're grateful for your provision that you've allowed us to take small steps but big steps for us and lord you have blessed this fellowship we continue to that you pray that you would continue to do so we also ask lord again for those who are sick, suffering. Father, I pray that you'd bring healing to those in our church body who are not feeling well right now, and those family members that we get prayer requests about. And Lord, we have an extended family, like I have mentioned David Fiorazzo, that is recovering, I believe, from COVID right now. But, Father, I just pray that you would be with him, strengthen his body, and I, I thank you, Lord, that we were able to communicate this week and pray that you would continue to bring healing to him and the ministry that you have given him up in Wisconsin. So be with us tonight, Lord, or today as we study a word now. We pray, Lord, that you would teach us and, Lord, that we would look to you for our help and for our hope in these days that we find ourselves in. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen lot to say before getting to our message so that doesn't count all that doesn't count <laughs> one of the things that's going to be nice with uh, camera systems again we'll be able to have a switching take place and so pastor kevin will be able to do announcements again and won't have to worry about walking the camera back and forth so it will just help things feel a little more normal than the pre-covid days Well, today we're looking at Revelation chapter 10, and we are in a reprieve right now, a parenthetical section between actually the blowing of the sixth and seventh trumpet, the last thing we learned about in Revelation chapter 9 a couple of weeks ago before family camp. Last week we had a special message for our family camp crowd. But we looked at the sixth trumpet sounding, and now the preparation— for the seventh trumpet, we're in this reprieve. It'll last all the way to Revelation 11. I begin, I think we pick up again in verse 15 with the seventh trumpet. So we're in this in between place where John begins to describe some other things that's going on in heaven while these horrific events will take place upon the earth. I'll just remind you once again, when I look at the book of Revelation and I look at any portion of the Bible, I always look at it literally. What's the word of God speaking to us? There are allegorical sections in the Bible and the Bible is usually plain when they introduce such a section. But uh, I try to look at it simply. What is the word telling us and then kind of take it from there? And John here, in this reprieve that he's brought into, he describes in chapter 10 a mighty angel that he saw in Revelation chapter 10. And so we're going to look at three things in this chapter. The mighty angel, verses 1 through 4. The mystery of God, verses 5 through 7. And the little book, verses 8 through 11. So I'm going to go ahead and... Read verses 1 through 4 and get us into the teaching of God's word this morning. Revelation 10 verse 1 says, And I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book opened in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. He cried out with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he had cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Sill up the things which the seven thunders uttered, and do not write them. So we meet a mighty angel. And up to this point in the book of Revelation, I'm really looking at, the number of times that we've seen various angels introduced to us there it's been quite a bit in the book of revelation in chapter 1 verse 20 we learned of the seven stars that greek word for stars is angelos angels messengers seven stars are the seven angels of not stars but angels angelos angels of the seven churches so revelation 120 seven angels over the seven churches. Revelation 5-2, John tells us that he saw a strong angel, and the Greek word describing a mighty angel and a strong angel in Revelation 5-2, it's the same Greek word. It means strong, mighty, or powerful. But in 5-2, he said, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals. Revelation 7, 1 through 3, we're introduced to four angels that are standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the winds of the earth. And then John said, I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And the angel crying out to the four angels saying, do not harm the earth, the sea or the trees till we have sealed the servants of the living God on their forehead. So Revelation 7. One through 3 were introduced in that three-verse section, five different angels. Revelation 8, 2, we learned about seven angels who stand before God, who were given seven trumpets. And right now we're between the sounding of the sixth and the seventh trumpet. And before the seventh, seven angels sounded their trumpets, in Revelation 8, 3 through 5, We saw another angel having a golden censer come and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer. He filled it with fire from the altar. He threw it to the earth and there were noises, thunderings, lightnings and a Earthquake, Revelation 8, 13, we find the cry of an angel in the heavens, an angel flying through the midst of the heavens, saying, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the three trumpets, referring to the trumpet blast of 5, 6, and 7. So three woes connected to those trumpet blasts. Two of the woes at this point have already passed, and uh, the three angels who are about to sound. And then 9, 14, and 15, we learn of four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, the year, were released to kill a third of mankind. So we've seen up to this point, many angels actually mentioned in the book of Revelation But the mighty angel, very interesting characteristics that are connected with him that are worth noting. In verses 2 and 3, we find, first of all, that he had a little book in his hand. He set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. It has this picture of a giant angel. It doesn't use the word giant, but I mean, I guess I could stand on the sea and the land if I'm at a beach, put my foot in the sand and my foot in the water but the waves would just kind of wash me out eventually you have this picture of a large angel in this process but I think there's something more there we'll look at it in a moment he had a loud cry as when a lion roars something I can't do I don't know about you and when he cried out seven thunders uttered their voices this mighty angel could it be that John is describing here in Revelation 10 and the first part of chapter 11 that the mighty angel is actually Jesus? Some believe that it is. I think the characteristics are very strong, and I want us to look at those for a moment before we move on. We first discover that the mighty angel came down from heaven clothed with a cloud, Revelation 10.1. It was at the ascension of Jesus Christ when the disciples and those who were there were watching the Lord ascend into heaven in Acts 1 verses 9 through 11 that while they were watching the Lord ascend into heaven two messengers came two angels appeared and said in Acts 1:11 this same Jesus who was taken up for you from you into heaven will also come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven and so they described the Lord ascending into heaven in the clouds and the Lord, returning in like manner in the clouds. Here we find that the mighty angel coming down from heaven clothed with a cloud. We also have Daniel seeing the son of man, seeing a glimpse of the Messiah when he was given uh, visions. He said in Daniel 7:13, I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. One like the Son of Man. Do you know in the Gospels that the favorite term that Jesus had concerning himself was that phrase, the Son of Man? He said that about himself more than any other descriptive term that he used describing himself in the Gospel. The Son of Man was that favorite term that he used. Daniel said, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds. We also notice that he had a rainbow on his head. In Genesis 9.13, we learn the truth behind the rainbow. I'm serious about this because the world has taken the rainbow and distorted it. But God said in Genesis 9.13, I've set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It's The rainbow is for the whole earth, according to God. It was after the flood, the covenant of the rainbow was given to Noah, to his descendants, and to every living creature that came out of the ark. Although the world may counterfeit God's promise by affixing new values to the rainbow, the true rainbow reminds us that God fulfills his promises. Every word that he has spoken will come true perhaps the rainbow on the mighty angel's head reminds us that Jesus' promises, all the prophecies concerning him, will come to pass. His face, he said, was like the sun. Several other verses of the Bible depict Jesus' face as shining like the sun. And Daniel 10.6 says, His face was like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like the torches of fire. Matthew seventeen two, he was transfigured before him, his face shone like the sun, his clothes became as white as light. Acts twenty-six thirteen, when Paul was recounting the day that he came face to face with Jesus, he said to the king there in that passage, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining all around me and those who journeyed with me. Revelation 1.16, His countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. It should not surprise us when we one day get to heaven and see Jesus shining in glory. His feet also were like pillars of fire. In Daniel 10.6, we have this description of His arms and feet like burnished bronze in color. In Revelation 1.15, this one describing jesus his feet was like fine brass as refined in the furnace and the bible often uh, referring to brass often in connection with judgment and perhaps in this sense the judgment is describing the fine brass speaking about the fiery trial that jesus christ went through upon the cross he was refined not because he needed to be refined but for us and the work that he did on the cross for us. Jesus said in, in Luke 12, verses 49 and 50, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled, but I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am until it's accomplished. And these same feet that will, in Revelation 19:15, that will tread the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God, will one day bring judgment upon this earth. We also learn that he cried with a loud voice as when a a lion roars. It reminds us that Jesus in Revelation 5.5 was described as the lion of the tribe of Judah and several messianic prophecies of the Old Testament describe his voice as either a loud cry or a lion roaring as we have in Isaiah 42.13. The Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out, yes, shout aloud, and he shall prevail over his enemies. Jeremiah 25, 30. The Lord will roar from on high and utter his voice from his holy habitation. He will roar mightily against his foe. He will give a shout to those who tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. Joel 3.16, the Lord will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. Amos 1.2, the Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. Clearly, there are several similarities between Jesus and this mighty angel that John is describing. But we get into chapter 11 and listen to what the mighty angel says. In Revelation 11:3, he says, I will give power to my two witnesses and they shall prophesy one thousand two hundred and sixty days clothed in sackcloth. Now we'll learn about the two witnesses next week, but the way it's worded, the mighty angel saying, I will give power to my two witnesses. I think perhaps this is the strongest clue that we're looking at Jesus Christ, a description of Christ himself in this passage. John continues in verse 3 and 4 saying, He cried out seven thunders, uttered their voices. And now the seven thunders, when they uttered their voices, John says, I was about to write. And then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. In chapter 1, John was given instruction by Jesus, saying, Revelation 119, Write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. So John was told to write. That was his mission. That was his job. Write this stuff down. So John was only doing what the Lord had told him to do. So he heard the utterances of these seven angels the seven thunders. And he was about to write, and yet the Lord said, no, nope, not this one, John. Seal this one up. This was not for the church right now. I believe that's why it was sealed up at the time. It was something that we, the church, did not or do not need to know. Daniel was also not allowed to write some of the things to seal up. In Daniel 8.26, when talking about the visions of the evening and mornings, he said, that which was shown to me is true. Therefore, seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. So Daniel himself was commanded to seal it up. Daniel 12.4, Daniel shut up the words and sealed up the book until the time of the end, many will run to and fro, and knowledge will increase. So Daniel was said, to seal it up until the time of the end. Think about this one, Daniel 12:4. The instructions, seal it up until the time of the end. Until that time, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. It's an interesting study right now, but knowledge is increasing so quickly because of computers right now that it's just, the statistics is amazing. And that knowledge is daily now increasing throughout our world. So God said, at the time of the end, knowledge would be increasing. Knowledge is increasing. It should tell us we are at the time of the end. Perhaps John was instructed not to write the thunder's utterances because their words did not concern the church of Christ. According to the timeline of Revelation, the church Will be with the Lord at this point. Will not be on the earth. There'll be the martyrs on the earth. There'll be those who will be redeemed. Uh, there'll be the 144,000 of Israel on the earth. But some of the, these things are kind of a, a need to know. And at this point, the Lord is saying, You don't need to know this one. I have a different opinion on some of these things as well. Sometimes the Lord restrains giving us everything because I believe he wants us to study to show ourselves approved. I believe that some of the information is there contained in scripture. I'm not saying what the seven thunders uttered is in scripture somewhere. It could be, but I'm just saying there are things that I believe when we search it out, we can discover the truth that the Lord has for us if we just take the time to search things out. To study, to show yourself approved, a workman approved before God. So I believe sometimes the Lord withholds. I'm not saying that this is one of those cases, but I believe that the Lord does withhold that we could take the time to learn, to study, and to understand some of the truths of Scripture. Here's an interesting thing Seven thunders uttered their voices. In Psalm 29, this is your homework, perhaps, for the day. Psalm 29. David describes the voice of the Lord in seven different ways. Isn't that interesting? We have seven thunders uttering their voice. And then we have Psalm 29, verses 3 through 9. Number one, the voice of the Lord. And here's the clue. Every time he says the voice of the Lord, he says it seven times. So you can count it very easily. Revelation 29 verse 3 The voice of the Lord is over the waters, the glory of thunders. The Lord is over many waters. Number two, the voice of the Lord is powerful. Number three, the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Number four, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian. Like a young wild ox, number five, the voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. Number six, the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Number seven, the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. It strips the forest bare. He is in his temple and everyone says glory. So David describes the voice of the Lord in seven different ways. The number seven The number of completion. We need to know that when the Lord uses his voice, everything he speaks is perfect, perfect truth. Then we discover the mystery of God, verses 5 through 7. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land lifted up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, the sea, the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. But the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. So we find the angel stands, he raises up his hand. In verse 2, John describes this, mighty angel has his foot standing on the sea and on the land, scripturally, we find that when we uh, read through the Bible, we discover that often the nation of Israel is connected to the land and the sea is connected to the Gentile nations of the world, and it could be simply that it's saying the dominion that God Jesus has over the nation of Israel and over the all the tribes, tongues, and peoples, nations of the world. After the seven years of tribulation, even though there's going to be, during that time, great cataclysmic events, we find that the Lord will return, and the description of the Lord coming again, we find his feet being mentioned again. In Zechariah 14:4, 4, and verses 8 and 9, it says, In that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which face Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall split in two from the east to the west, making a very large valley, half the mountain moving toward the north, half toward the south. In that day the living water shall flow from Jerusalem, half of them flowing toward the eastern sea, half of them toward the Western Sea, both in the summer and winter it will occur, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day it shall be the Lord is one and his name one. And so again we have at the second coming of Jesus Christ, his feet causing the mountain and the Mount of Olives itself to split there in Jerusalem, a very large valley to open up And a living water to flow forth. Part of this living water will flow into the Dead Sea and bring life into the Dead Sea once again. The day of the Lord, which will come with cataclysmic events in the heavens and upon the earth. And God does these things to exalt Jerusalem among the nations. And so the angel swears to the creator of heaven and earth in verse 6. Swore to him who lives forever and ever, he who created the heavens and the things that are in it, and the earth, the things that are in it, the sea, the things that are in it, that there should be no longer any delay, that the time of the end now is upon the earth. So there are those who look at the book of Revelation. The preterist view says that the events of the book of Revelation have already been fulfilled. All the things then that are written about the holy prophets concerning Jesus have all been fulfilled. It's so hard for me to follow that view, saying it's all been done, really, in seventy AD, it's all been accomplished. Then what are we doing here two thousand years later? And uh if it's all been fulfilled then what in the world is this word talking about it's not been accomplished yet the Lord has not yet returned Jehovah's Witness believing in I think 1918 that the Lord Jesus Christ ascended or returned in his secret chamber secret chamber they they put the word secret chamber in there I put the quotations mark around it because the Lord said when he returns every eye will see him Jehovah's Witness will come knocking on your door and say well Not actually every eye will see him. He did return. He's hidden away right now. Like, wait a minute. That goes against the plain teaching of the word of God, right? There's conflict there. When there's conflict, conflict with Jehovah's Witness, with the preterist view that all these things have already been accomplished, there's conflict. It means that the literal view takes the authority in my position. We may not understand everything. Remember, the Lord would say, seal up these words, John. But I believe that sometimes through study, we get a better understanding of these things. So Revelation 10:5, Jesus not only claiming dominion over the earth standing on the land and on the sea the second person of the triunity raising his hand to God who lives forever and ever in the heavens he who created the heavens and the earth all that's in the heaven all that's on the earth all that's in the seas. Now he cries out that there should be no longer any delay. The time of the end has come. But why would God delay the Lord's second coming? Well, 2 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9, tells us why there's delay right now. The end of the book of Revelation instructs the church to pray, Come quickly, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come. So if we're instructed to pray, Come, why hasn't He not yet come? Well, Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises toward us, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If there's any delay whatsoever, it's because Jesus is waiting For people to get saved, He's giving opportunity for people to come to faith, to believe in Him, to receive His work of redemption that He has already paid the price upon the cross. If there's any delay, it's because Jesus is giving opportunity for the lost, the unbelievers, to come to faith in Him. But there's going to come a point in the future, and it could be very near, where the Lord will say, No more delay. This is it. The time has come. Verse 7, where it says, The mystery of God will be finished. In that day, the sounding of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound the mystery of God, would be finished. The mystery that he has declared to his servants, the prophets. What mystery? Well, it's all contained here in the word of God. Once again, again, It might take some study to understand the mystery, but it's there in the word of God. In chapter 11, we'll learn of two witnesses. I've already mentioned them. We'll read about them next week. They'll have a ministry that will last 260 days or three and a half years. So it's finished. The time has come, but there's still three and a half years before it's completed at this point. But the process is set in motion there's no turning back at this point with the sounding of the seventh trumpet and the two witnesses showing up there in jerusalem and today it's not going to be hard we'll get into this next week but it tells us that when they are put to death the two witnesses all the world will see it they will celebrate over it can you imagine all the social media posts two witnesses are dead i mean it's just going to blow up, right? It's so easy to see how these things could take place in the day that we live in. Second Peter 1.21 tells us, concerning prophecy, prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. God tells us these things from history, from time past. He tells us about the things that will come in the future where Isaiah 46:10 tells us declaring the end from the beginning from ancient times the things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure in Romans 16 25 through 26 Paul wrote now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the Revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures, made known to all nations. Again, the mystery has been given to us in God's word. According to the commandment of the everlasting God, for the obedience of faith to God alone, be wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. The mystery, Paul said, kept secret, Since the ancient days, but now revealed to us in God's word, that mystery now once hidden being revealed to us, coming to a completion, everything that God wrote concerning Jesus Christ. Do you know he wrote, and we keep saying this in the church, preachers have this one pretty much down, that there were 330 prophecies connected to Jesus's first coming. And Jesus Christ fulfilled every single one of them. There are also over 500 prophecies from Old and New Testament connected to Jesus' second coming. And every single one will be fulfilled. Paul again wrote in Colossians 1, and 27, The mystery which was hidden from ages, from generations, now have been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The prophetic word, the gospel of Jesus Christ was not a new plan of God, but has been declared from ancient times, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And now at the blowing of the seventh trumpet, which we don't get to that until Revelation 15 or eleven fifteen, Revelation eleven fifteen. But at the blowing of that seventh trumpet, there will then come the completion of these mysteries. But here's the thing that trumpet has not sounded yet. I'm not even saying one of those trumpet blasts has sounded forth yet. But the delay is opportunity for unbelievers to be saved. The Lord's work is finished upon the cross. Jesus declared it. It is finished. To tell us No other work needs to be done for our salvation. Our part is to confess our sin, believe and receive. But the Lord delays in his delay is opportunity to be saved. So we close out with John talking about this little book. In verses eight through eleven. He said, A voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. And I went to the angel and I said, Give me the little book. And he said, Take it and eat it. And it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet honey in your mouth. And I took the book out of the angel's hand and I ate it. And it was sweet as honey in my mouth. And when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. So the voice came, told him to take the little book that was in the mighty angel's hand, the angel that stood on the land and on the sea. And I believe that this little book, it really pertains to the prophecies that are found that the Lord gave to John that he was to speak forth. John was writing. Remember, he's writing from the Isle of Patmos. He's a prisoner on a prison island, much like here in the United States. We had Alcatraz. Patmos was a prison island. He was banished to that island, but he would be released. According to tradition, he was released. He went to Ephesus, where he ruled over the churches of Asia Minor until his death at 100 years old. That's what tradition teaches us concerning the Apostle John. But it's also telling me that the Lord was letting John know that you still have work to do. You still have work to do. To take this book, and as he closed out saying, you must prophesy again. John, I know that you were a witness for me before you got Placed in this island, and you're a prisoner now, but you must prophesy again. There's work to be done, John. Your work isn't finished yet. It was reminding me just now as I was speaking about that of Elijah when he had had that mighty battle against the 450 prophets of Baal, and when he had slew them, and then uh, Jezebel said, You're going to be a dead man, and he fled, and he ended up in a cave. And he was hiding in a cave and the Lord came to him. And in that cave he saw this earthquake and this fire and it says the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. The Lord wasn't in the fire. And then he heard a still small voice and the Lord spoke to him. And he had work for Elijah to be, to do. He said, Elijah, first of all, you're not the only one left. I have 7,000 more in Israel had not yet bowed a knee to Baal. And besides, you have to anoint a king. You have to uh, ordain another prophet after you there's work to be done and I believe sometimes in our COVID world that we find ourselves in I just threw that in for you that maybe we want to hide and just wait for the Lord to come and I think the Lord is saying no it's not time to hide there's work to be done and so John went verse 9 through 11 he went to the angel and he said give me the book now I'm thinking We have this description of the mighty angel. Remember the description of this mighty angel? Coming down from the clouds, rainbow on his head, his face shining like the sun, his feet like fire. I'm thinking that John didn't say, hey, give me the book. I'm thinking he might have been a little polite about this. Uh, Sir, mighty angel, can I have that book? No doubt he asked very politely. He was told to consume the book. He was even told what would happen when he consumed the book that it would be sweet in his mouth and turn bitter in his stomach. Now this is connected in verse 11 to the prophecies. You must prophesy again. So I believe that the word of God, he's consuming the word of God. And what happens when we consume the word of God now I'm not going to start tearing pages out of my Bible and start consuming it that way but uh, I do every single day I'm reading scripture I'm studying scripture and there are a lot of sweet things in the word of God there's also a lot of bitterness in the word of God it's sweet because we know that the word of God in the word of God there is joy there is rejoicing there are promises that the Lord has for those who are the redeemed but it's bitter because it reveals our sins and it reveals the cost of sin. It reveals the coming judgment of this world and those who die without Christ and the judgment that will come upon them. So it has this sweet sense to us. It has this sweet sense while it also has this bitter bitterness to it as well. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen very similar. Talking about the word of God. He says, Your words were found. I ate them. Your word to me, the joy and the rejoicing of my heart, for I called upon the name, your name, O Lord God of hosts. Uh, Job twenty-three, twelve, again. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured your words, the words of his mouth, more than my necessary food. God's word more than necessary food. It can have that sense of sweetness. In Ezekiel, God commanded Ezekiel to eat. He said, son of man, eat. Ezekiel 3, verses 1 through 4 and 7 through 9. Eat what you find. Eat this scroll. Go and speak to the house of the Lord. And so here we have a consumption of the word of God, a very literal picture of consuming it. Eat it. Take a bite out of it, Ezekiel. And then go and proclaim And so I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat the scroll. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with the scroll that I've given you. So I ate and it was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. And he said, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. And then in verses seven through nine of Ezekiel three, he said, but the house of Israel will not listen to you. Because they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces, your forehead strong against their foreheads. Like adamant stone harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. And I tell you today, we can have the sweetness of God's word. We can consume God's word. We can share God's word with others, and they are much like the house of Israel in Ezekiel's day, and their hearts are hard toward the word of God. But it's not supposed to cause us to back down. Lord, help us to have that strong forehead of flint that will face the enemy, because I tell you, the enemy is upon us, and they are targeting the church today. So, too, should we be diligent to present ourselves approve of God workers who do not need to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the words of truth. As Ezekiel in his day was commanded to speak the word of God to his generation, we, too, have been commanded to speak forth the word of God. And only by learning God's word can we rightly proclaim it to others. And as we learn the word of God, we'll find that it'll have that sweet, honey-like Oh, this is so good. God, you are so good. And then one day he'll have us reading somewhere and it's like, Lord, this hurts. I don't like this passage. It's really attacking me, Lord. And he does that to us. He does that to us because as his children, he wants us to be conformed, not into the image of this world, but to the image of his son. And in the process of conforming to the image of Jesus Christ, there has to be a stripping away. Like the Apostle John, as we consume the Word of God, as we read and study God's Word, we discover that it will have both this sweet and bitterness to it. The sweetness of the Bible is knowing that God's it's God's Word, and everything that He has written is truth. The bitterness is, Again, it's God's word. And in the process of the word of God, we find this exposing of our sin. The foretelling of coming judgment upon this world. But God has given us a remedy. And it's through his son, Jesus Christ. 1 John 1.7 tells us that it's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. From all sin. But this remedy is only available to those who are willing to confess their sins and to believe and receive. Let's go ahead and stand together and go through our church motto as we close out. And we begin with the belief. It tells us in Hebrews 11, 6, we say together. but. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for those who come to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, Hebrews 11:6. 6. We have to believe that God is. That's the beginning of faith, believing that there is a God. Many years ago, I, Lily and I really ministered to our brother-in-law for about a year, and uh, through that process of that year, we were bringing him to church. And uh, at the beginning of that year, I had talked to him. And at one point, he says, I don't even know if there is a God. And so in the process of a the year, there's a point where I asked him, do you believe that there is a God? And he goes, yes, I believe. And at that point, I said, now let me introduce you to his son, Jesus Christ. But it began with believing that there is God. And scripture tells us that. I don't even know if I understood or knew of Hebrews 11:6 6 at that time. But it begins that, with that faith, that in, be, in the beginning, God. It all starts there. We must believe that God is. Second, we have to receive, we say together, Romans 5, 17, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Romans 5.17. Here we go again. Belief in God. I mentioned this last week in the message that we had for family camp on Sunday that we had a prayer over the opening of the 117th Congress where the closing of that prayer The pastor, who I would personally say is not a pastor at all, but the pastor, he is officially a minister, but he says, by the gods of many gods that are worshipped in all the world. Well, first of all, there's only one God, and God only had one son, Jesus Christ. We have to believe in the one and true God, and we have to receive his Son, Jesus Christ, as our Savior. So first we have to believe, then we have to receive. Third, we need to grow, and we say, 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. 2 Peter 3:18. I tell you, Sunday mornings, Wednesday evenings, through now social media videos that we can watch that's our growing time but it's not all about growing it's about going as well and we close out saying together matthew, matthew 28, 28 9 20 go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to deserve all things that i've commanded you And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Amen. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Anybody here have questions about faith? You can talk to myself. You can talk to Pastor Kevin. You can talk to others here in the church. Perhaps a a lady would like to receive counsel from a woman. Lily would be available for you. Others here as well. But I would encourage you to talk to others if you have questions regarding faith. If you're here, if you're listening on the radio, if you're listening through social media right now, if you're listening at a later time, you can go to our church's webpage at cclv at comcast.net. Actually, that's our email address. I got it. You can email us at cclv at comcast.net. On our webpage, we have a prayer request uh, tab that you can click on at cclv.org and here's the one thing i like about that prayer request we've discovered over time several years now that if you want to give a prayer request to our church that we can pray over a need uh, you can do so anonymously if you do our email address i just gave you cclv at comcast.net, we'll know who you are and that's fine if you want us to know we can correspond with you but you can also just send a prayer request anonymously at calvarychapel.org forward slash prayer and just follow the instructions. You can let us know or you can choose or opt out of letting us know. And I can tell you that most people opt out. They want prayer. We're fine with that. We know that God knows. Again, Wednesday evening, Genesis 20 and 21. There could be 20. I think we're beyond Genesis 20 and 21. must have that wrong in my notes. But we will be in the book of Genesis, and I'll get it worked out by Wednesday of what chapter we're in. Let's go ahead and close in prayer, and we are going to close in one song of worship. I'm going to switch mics before I pray, and I can get my guitar on.